Welcome to ContenderCast, a leadership conversation centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. It's a contender cast. It's Justin Hahnemann here. We're shining a light on bright ideas. And today we're talking about underwear. I I just I have not covered this topic yet on the contender cast. What, 80 plus episodes now. And today we're talking underwear. I can't even wait. And uh, on the podcast today is the CEO and founder of Mark Skid, Dan Barry. Dan, <laughs> thanks for coming on the podcast. Hello, hello, Justin, and uh, thank you for on your eighty-one uh, show to be talking about underwear. I love it. I obviously love. I can't believe we haven't had it, have had this topic yet. But <laughs> I, I'm excited. Well, I'm excited too. Thank you for the opportunity to talk about uh, our mission and our brand, and uh, you know, to be able to share that with your listeners. I'm I'm really excited about it. As a startup, especially. Yeah, I mean, I can't wait to dive into this. So, uh, for those of you that don't know Mark Skid, uh, we're going to talk about the brand today, uh, the products underneath that, and then how we're, how Dan's growing the business. Uh, Dan's also from Atlanta. I just figured this out before the podcast, and I'm excited about that. But here, Dan, I love this: a fictional fashionista changing the way consumers think about their underwear purchases. So, <laughs> I didn't write that, but I read it. Uh, so, Dan, how did this all start, and how did you decide to launch this company? Well, before I, I jump into that, Justin, I, mean, I, I would I would think that I would think the, the key takeaway from, you know, what I will talk about here in a second is that, you know, we all have dreams in life. And quite honestly, I worked for 25 years for Anheuser-Busch Budweiser. Uh, oh, and very I good. Got, yeah. And I got how I ended up in Atlanta. Uh, but I uh, got kicked to the curb uh, in the beginning of 2015. And after 25 years uh, in the beer business. Uh, which I still love, um, and I may be back there someday. Uh, I just I had a desire to do something different, and uh, I've been very, very fortunate in life uh, to have some wonderful examples, my parents and some other people, uh, that taught me about giving back. And uh, I think just somewhere deep in me, uh, when that 25 years came to an end, all of which I love, I, I just wanted to do something different. And uh, there was an idea that first germinated 26 years ago. So I think the key piece is, is your listeners are, are listening is that uh, literally uh, the, the bulk of this idea was literally conceived 20, 26 years ago, 25 wow. years ago. It was it, Yeah. And uh, so hold on to your dreams. And uh, when the time <laughs> is right for you, like it was for me 25 years after my, you know, uh, industry, uh, career industry in the beer business, uh, it was the right time for me. So Wow, that's pretty amazing. So, what was it? You know, you had the idea twenty five years ago, and what was it? You wrote it down. You thought about it. Just not the right time. I'll do it one day, and then now you're there and, and launched this business. Well, I, I actually wish it was that complex. It doesn't sound that complex <laughs> writing something down, but truly, what what happened? Uh, and again, you have to go back in time. This is in the you know a, you know long long time ago. It was before the movie Zoolander or anything, which I, I always kind of make a point about. Uh, I worked for Anheuser-Busch. My first job was in Chicago and, you know, we were out all the time working and some, so sometimes, uh, you know, we just like to relax on a Friday night when we got a break. And one of those nights happened many years ago where one of my dear friends, uh, we were sitting around in his apartment, just him and I having a couple of beers and on his coffee table, he had bought a pair of high end underwear. I won't say the brand and just two, two, two guys talking and we got talking, uh, you know, a couple of beers we got talking about how ridiculous we thought uh, that underwear marketing was. And the fact that, 
you know, it was kind of over the top. All you have to do is show uh, an incredibly built woman or guy and then let it fly. Uh, <laughs> that it, re- it, it really didn't have, I don't know how we got talking about this, but it really didn't have any purpose. There was no soul to the whole thing. Right. And then I, I have to admit that the other thing that we got talking about was that we both had the same childhood experience when we were little kids. Our mothers were insanely concerned about the status of our underwear prior to a doctor's visit. So <laughs> the, those were the, oh those were the two, two, two key, key takeaways. Those are so, problems you're you looking know, to solve. <laughs> yeah. So somewhere, somewhere over the years, you, you go from there to moving forward. And there was a time when I was working that I was going to actually try and launch the brand, but I was just too busy and focused on my career. Um, you know, it, it all started to come together. I mean, uh, looking at underwear, but really all brands, uh, the, the thought in which became the ethos of the brand is why are brands, whether it's clothing, whether no matter what it is, why is it, why aren't they more like the people that we love in life and admire? Sure. And what are those, yeah, what are those key things? A sense of humor. So obviously <laughs> that, that's, that goes back to the little cheeky name that we have. I love it. Uh, Mark Skid. It is, it is, yeah, we love, we love people that have a strong character. Uh, and that comes in the form of the way that the underwear is made. And then uh, we like people that live a purposeful existence. And that goes to the, the charitable part, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Uh, and then uh, as far as the name kind of, you know, that conversation about our mothers, uh, that became, uh, you know, it was actually somewhere in the middle between then uh, and now uh, when I launched the brand. It was a time when, uh, if you recall, when, when I was a kid growing up, when a new restaurant opened up, yep. people talked about the restaurant. No doubt. But then a couple of years ago, or probably 10 years ago, it started to be, did you hear that chef such and such opened up the restaurant? So it was the actual chef oh, that's right. that was bigger than a restaurant. That's so, so true. Somewhere... Yeah, somewhere thinking about the brand, I was like, well, what if I flip it around and I create this uh, fashionita uh, called Mark Skid with a C to be a little bit more sophisticated? Uh, so that's how I came up with the name. It's not really something that I play with too much, uh, but um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of doing mission work when I was younger, and uh, what solidified the name and, and its, its true meaning is that you know, when I was doing mission work in Honduras. Uh, no matter how tough the conditions, laughter was everywhere, and it's it's really the thing so as so true. as people, yeah, that 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 bind us. And uh, you know, Mark Twain once said that it's the shortest distance between two people. Oh, um, and that's yeah, and I and I yeah, and I and I truly believe that. I mean, these people lived in very tough circumstances, and I and I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't no way to register this, but I tr- they laugh more than than we do here in the United States, and yet their conditions are much different. Um, so uh, if the brand does one thing, the name of the brand, if, if someone is, you know, going through their morning routine in the, in the mirror and they look at the name and they get a reminder of the beautiful gift of laughter, then the name has served its purpose. Sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd be the first to tell you that when I was going through the submissions, uh, and I read your company, <laughs> name, I didn't read much further. And I replied and was like, you're on <laughs> schedule the interview. <laughs> I mean, well, it's crafty. You. It's great. It's catchy. I love it. I mean, you don't. I haven't even gotten to like what how you do the product. It is like you, the name is great, and I love that. And I love this thing that you write. The idea was to design a great pair of underwear, an essential for almost everyone except those who prefer to go commando. <laughs> <laughs> we, we do have those folks out there. Uh, like yeah, uh, we will not talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So talk about. Got it. You're going to launch this business. You had the idea. You got the name. How do you design underwear and get it produced? 
Yeah, that, that uh, you know, my whole life, I've always been a person that uh, has to actually get my hands dirty to, to learn. Uh, that's just the way I'm geared. And uh, as we talked before, I came from the beer industry. I have no background in apparel whatsoever. Um, so when you go into apparel, there's what they call full package. That's where basically you take your brand. And this it's actually very big in China. My stuff's not made in China, but uh, that's what they want to do because they can, you know, it's more profitable for them. But sure. you basically. You basically tell them what you want, and they, they design everything. They select your ingredients for you and hand your product over. Uh, but for me, if I'm going to be successful with this brand, looking more long-term, I have to understand apparel. I have to understand what I'm doing so when I'm having conversations, even if I was successful and would be able to turn certain things over to other people, I still, for me, I have to have that knowledge about how to do it on my own. So sure. I didn't, I did not go that route. I selected every single ingredient that went into this brand, every single company that worked on this brand I visited, uh, and visited during production. Wow. Um, so yeah, it was, it, it was all me. Did it take longer? Yes. But you know, I, I learned how to judge fabric. I learned, you know, the difference between uh, regular cotton and Pima cotton. I, you know, I learned how waistbands are made. Sure. Um, but still all in all, I'm not a designer. Uh, so I hire, hired a lady uh, that was a, was a big-time designer in New York. She's uh, kind of retired to New Mexico. Her name is Sally Beers. Um, but I hired her, and so she helped me design the underwear. Uh, but basically, I provided all the materials. So, uh, you know, and what they do, then they call that cut and sew. So basically, at the end of the day, I supplied everything from the labels to the waistband to the fabric. And then I found a factory that just basically sewed everything together for me. Got it. Um, so if there was a mistake made, uh, it's on me. Sure. Uh, so. Well, and that's no easy feat, right? Trying you, you make it sound like it's simple. You went on, got all the, the elements and then found a, a production facility to put it together. I mean, even that part of it, you know, finding the place to put it together is not simple. It, it is not. And, uh, you know, I would tell anybody out there that, you know, that's wanting to start a, a startup. Uh, if you're not 100% passionate about your idea, don't even consider it because the old adage is true. Whatever you put in your business plan, uh, as far as your timeline, <laughs> double it, <laughs> double it. And that's what happened to me. I, I planned on launching. A, I wrote the business plan in February of 2015 and I launched in October of 2017. Just takes longer. It takes longer, but y'all, all, you know, I think one of the key things you have to understand too, is that no one wants to work with startups. Um, so when you do find somebody and that's not a bad thing, it's, it's understandable. For example, in the apparel industry, you know, not knowing anything about what their issues were, they, they spend all their time. And if you think of a big piece of machinery, dialing that machinery in to make what you want. Sure. And that actually, that might take two days for them to do that. So they spread their cost over the order. So if you're coming and giving somebody a small order, They've already put a day and a half in the configuring their machine. How they make their money is then running, you know, running that machine for, you know, a, a week. Sure. Uh, so it was very difficult to find people to work with, uh, but I found some great companies. But even then, um, you know, you, you're not, and it's understandable, you're not going to get their full attention. Right. I mean, you're small. You're yeah. small. No doubt. So even the people that work with me, you know, I, you know, occasionally had to be like, Hey, I'm over here. You know, remember me? Uh, but <laughs> right. at the end of the day, I'm extremely appreciative, uh, for those that decided, but, uh, you know, if I contacted, if I got someone, uh, to work with me, I probably contacted 10 companies in that process. So, um, 
That makes sense. Well, and yeah, I mean, one of the big things you got to do as an entrepreneur is do your homework, right? And you really had to dive into this space that you'd never really worked in before. I mean, it is consumer goods like the beverage industry, but not exactly the same. Different parts and pieces to come together to make the product. And like you did, you have to spend the upfront time to get to know it or else you'll never be an expert in it and be able to to make it happen. One of the things you talked about was uh, differences in your product. And we talked about this before the uh, podcast. Organic cotton underwear versus eco-friendly underwear. Talk about some of the differences in the materials. Your stretchy waistband made of recycled polyester, etc. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, uh, I, I, wanna, I want people to know you can even go on my website because I get a little frustrated with it. Uh, I have I have a big organic cotton and a big you know line going through it because I'm not using organic cotton. I'm using organic Pima, oh, and I make that point. I, I, yeah, I make that point of difference because if you take organic cotton, which basically you know people on you know you'll hear companies talking about how organic cotton is better than you know regular cotton that uses pesticides and herbicides. Uh, but most experts would tell you it does nothing. That's just how it's grown. It's grown in a more environmental-friendly way. Um, but if uh, Pima is considered the finest cotton in the world, and that has to do with, if you look, think of a feather, the fibers, they're over twice as long as regular cotton. And it's, again, the finest cotton in the world. So if you took organic cotton that's made in the world and all the Pima cotton, now not organic Pima, but just organic by itself and Pima, Pima is actually more rare than organic cotton. Uh, both of them register at 2% or a little bit less. So when you combine those two things, an organic Pima, uh, you're talking about uh, a production annually that's probably in the neighborhood of 0.0005% of all the cotton in the world is organic Pima. Um, so, you know, sometimes I'll get people to say to me, well, you know, I can buy this organic cotton over here. And I'll say, well, yeah, you can, but that's not organic Pima. Uh, right. Pima is Pima is what actually makes my product, uh, I would think, a, an, an exceptional product. Sure. Um, so you know, again, organic's great because they're shunning all the you know the herbicides and the pesticides and going back to kind of old school way of growing. But it doesn't do anything necessarily to the plant to make it a higher quality cotton. That comes from the Pima. Uh, so I, I, uh, you know traveled to Peru, which is actually considered the finest place in the world to grow cotton. And that's actually, I went down there and that's where I sourced my organic Pima from. And what's interesting about Peru is that one of the things for organic is, you know, no GMOs. Sure. Uh, and unlike the United States, it's not a question in Peru whether, you know, a particular farm uses GMOs or not, because it has been outlawed in Peru. So when I first time I went down, there, I was okay. like, "Yeah, I was like, do you guys use GMOs?" And they looked at me like I had two heads. Like, <laughs> they're 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 outlawed in our country. Wow. So in many ways, you think of Peru, but in some ways, they're more advanced than we are. Um, and then you mentioned about the the waistband. Sure. So there's a company in North Carolina. Most people don't know this. Uh, I certainly didn't know this, but water bottles are polyester. So this company called Reprieve, which is a part of a larger company called Unified. Uh, they go out and they collect uh, discarded water bottles that are headed to a landfill. And as we all know, we have a huge plastic issue That's for in sure. the world. That's for sure. Yeah. So they, they recoup and upcycle these water bottles that we're all discarding, and they then turn it into high-quality uh, uh, polyester for textiles. Now, there are companies using it, but why uh, you know many don't is that whole process of 
you know, recycling, upcycling, as we like to call it, uh, obviously cost more. So, no doubt. uh, ha- having pie, uh, you know, polyester that comes from, uh, this whole process of recapturing and turning it back into polyester to be used in textiles cost a great deal of money, um, them, and obviously someone that chooses to use it. But for me, uh, for what the brand stands for to make your mark on the world, uh, it was the only choice. And personally, I don't think that, uh, there should be any virgin polyester being made until we recoup all of the plastic bottles that are out there. And like anything, when you scale, even in an operation like that, the price will come down, but it really takes the customer to say, no, I, this is what I want. And again, right, you, you, right. you probably don't notice it, but you'll go around and see a, you know, a shirt in an athletic store and Sometimes it will show you a water bottle on there, but they are using Reprieve. So we are the first underwear company to use it, but there are other companies out there using it. Wow, really interesting. Just I mean, I can go on because we can talk about some of the other parts uh, that that you said. You know, you asked me about the uniqueness of the brand, and I would say the other unique part is that we are the only underwear company that is you know uh, giving back and how we do right. That. That's what I was going to next. Yep, yeah, charity piece. Uh, so how we. How we do that, I think, is also differently done differently, is that anytime someone buys a pair of underwear off the website, the first thing they decide is what's important to them. Uh, do they want to cure the world? Do they want to feed the world or save the world? So cure is obviously really helping cool. people that are, yep. yeah, are sick. Feeding is helping those that are hungry, and saving is more of an environmental thing. So you as a customer, you decide that. Uh, and then once you decide that, for example... If you go and say, what's important to me is to feed other people, uh, right. then you have to make the choice of three of the nine, between three of the nine star, three of the four star nine charities that I work with, three per platform. So for feed, for example, our partners are Action Against Hunger, four star, uh, the Hunger Project, uh, and Feed One. These are all four star charities ranked by Charity Navigator, which is the premier watchdog. Absolutely. In the United States. Absolutely. Very familiar. Yeah. So then the same for cure and the same for save. Uh, so the customer makes those choices where they want their $4 to go to. And even the $4 is unique. There's most people kind of in the giving back space and, and it's all wonderful and it's all great. Uh, but I chose a different path uh, because I wanted to be very clear and transparent. Um, so you hear a lot of companies talk about they give a percent of profits. That's right. Uh, well, yeah, as you know, as a businessman, there is gross profit <laughs> and there right. is net profit. <clears throat> Not really clear. Uh, right. And uh, so net profit, there's usually about an 85% drop from gross to net. So if a company made on, a, on, a, on any given product that made $10 gross profit, it would actually be a pretty good net profit if they made $1.50 because that net profit is when all their costs, their salaries, their health insurance, if they, their you know, utility bills – all that their insurance is all taken out. That's what's left over. So a net profit is actually pretty good. Um, so we feel very good about, we just give $4 straight up. It doesn't matter if you go to our website and there's a sale going on. Uh, it's always $4 that goes from you on your behalf to one of the charities. Uh, and we think that's a, a unique and different approach than anybody in the industry. So. Sure. I love that. And I mean, you really, that was exactly where I was going. I love that angle to it. I think a lot of people nowadays are looking for that in terms of a, a consumer goods. Talk about what's next for the business. Like where, what's key to growth and how are you going to get there? Well, that, that, that's, that's, you know, the toughest part. Uh, so I've been at this for a year. Uh, and, uh, you know, unlike some other companies, I am truly 
a self-financed startup, uh, meaning that everything that <laughs> from, you know, the years of development to now, everything is, you know, is come out of my personal pocket. Uh, and I literally, I'm sitting here in my basement in Atlanta, Georgia. That's where I pack the underwear and ship it out when an order comes in. Um, awesome. So, yeah. So what, one of the, you know, one of the key things is being e-commerce only is, you know, the use of social media. And I'm 52 and I would say one of the biggest learning curves that I've had, and I jumped right into it, uh, was the use of social media to get awareness out of there. I do not, and I, as a self-financed startup, I will never have the type of budget uh, to kind of get the word out at the level that some other companies do. So I have to use social media, and that's just something that I have to work on and improve at every day. Um, We're happy with our- Great way to sell product, though, and to build brand. It is. It is. We're happy with our, our sales, but, uh, you know, uh, we've got a lot of, lot of room for improvement. Um, so, uh, I plan on, uh, just continuing to work that I'm, you know, right now sending out, uh, PR releases for the brand being included in, uh, you know, it's holiday gifts. Cause now is the time when junior journalists are considering, you know, what they're going to be writing for, you know, gift, gift guides uh, for the holidays. So, uh, that's exactly what I do right. every day. That's exactly yeah, right. Just find a way. I mean, having someone like you contact me <laughs> and want to talk about the brand. I mean, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Certainly coming from, you know, the position that I am as a self-financed startup. No question. Um, it's like great PR yeah, obviously and, I, you know, coverage. Yeah. Obviously I dream of, you know, going beyond underwear and, you know, going into t-shirts and other Id- essential items. Um, but you know, the first thing I need to do is, is be successful with, with the underwear and then, you know, uh, scale and then, you know, look to expand. That's, that's yep. what I have is kind of my short-term goal. Love it. Well, and, and that's, you know, a common theme that I hear from entrepreneurs is, you know, narrow the focus and really make, make it happen with the one or two and most important things. And then you can grow from there. Talk about Dan, where our listeners can find you, how they can connect with you and, and how they can learn more about your product. Yeah, so uh, our website is markskid.com, and that's M-A-R-C, not with a K, M-A-R-C-S-K-I-D. Um, and then we're on social media, uh, whether it's Instagram or Twitter, it's Mark Skid. Uh, on Facebook, it's Mark Skid Co., because someone already had Mark Skid. <laughs> yep, why don't you know? <laughs> so it's Mark Skid Co., but that's how you, know, that's how you can connect with us. That's um, awesome. But, and I, I encourage you to to uh, visit the website. And even if you don't buy any product, uh, you know, this is a little different, but, uh, you know, I did mission work in Honduras and that's kind of an interesting story. My mom's best friend growing up uh, was a nun and actually one pair of the underwear, the Lorinda hipsters is actually named after a nun. Sister wow. Lorinda. Uh, yeah. So awesome. my mom's, yeah, my mom's best friend and uh, they, my parents got married in 19, 1963 uh, she was not allowed to go to the wedding because back then nuns were, you know, had to stay at the convent. So uh, the, actually there's a picture on my packaging that shows my mom and dad going to the convent, taking a picture with her best friend because she wasn't allowed to attend the wedding. But then she went and many, many years ago started Pro Papa Missions in Honduras. Right. That's where I, I see that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where I did my mission work. But uh, in 1994, when I was down there, uh, working on a mission she had uh, built a, a, a clinic uh, there in Iraco Pueblo. Um, and that, that clinic is in need of some, you know, repairs and renovation. Uh, so if you just go and you sign up for our newsletter, uh, you know, we will donate a dollar on your behalf uh, to that clinic. 
uh, in Honduras. That's pretty um, awesome. And, and there's a coupon and, and course, code here for fifteen percent off your order. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, too. yeah, that, yeah. We have that. Uh, we have our our first anniversary was on um, Monday, October first. So right now we're running a sale for fifteen percent off with the discount code one and and of a n n i v the abbreviation of anniversary. That's awesome. Well, Dan, this has been so cool. I'm excited about your company and the brand and can't wait to have you back on as you grow the company. And we got to meet up here in Atlanta, but I I really appreciate you coming on the podcast. (laughs) Justin, I agree. And uh, I want to thank you and and thank you for helping me uh, spread, you know, spread my brand a little bit and uh, continue to make your mark on the world would be greatly appreciated. I love it. Bottom line there. Let's make our mark on the world. Thanks, Dan. All right. Thank you, Justin. Bye-bye. The Contender Cast is sponsored by Henderson Shapiro Peck. You can download additional Contender Cast episodes directly via the Apple iTunes App Store, the Google Play Store, Spotify, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the Contender Cast, connect with us at contenderbrands.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender. Contender.